Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. I can remember it alarmingly how vividly I can remember it all happening because I just had a really bad headache it's almost like you've been drilled at the side of your temples both sides or, or like, an, like a clamp it's like an old metal working class you've got like a, a G clamp both sides of a bit of a table and it's just like just winding in so it's pressing in at both sides because it was so advertised so heavily at the time and obviously as somebody who's quite into fitness and health I was aware of it and I'd seen the adverts so I've I knew roughly what was going on. There's misconceptions where people say, oh, have you recovered then? Because no, you haven't. You never actually recover. You just carry basically a small amount of brain damage or large amounts for the rest of your life. And how you deal with it is sometimes you have no choice in it. You just have to get on with it. I don't like it. I can't change it. So I just need to make the best of it. For the future, just stay healthy. I just work on fitness and uh, get my marathon times down again. My ambition is still to run a sub four again, because I think that's like the mark of you're fit, you're running well. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. In the UK, there are more than 100,000 strokes every year. That's about one every five minutes. Strokes aren't just a product of lifestyle choices. They can happen as a result of hereditary issues that cause clots or burst blood vessels. Stroke is usually sudden, can often be devastating, and while health services are amazing with diagnosis and treatment, after the stroke, patients often find there aren't enough resources to help them on their journey to recovery. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this podcast, we hear from Glenn Malcolm from the New Forest. After a difficult year, Glenn suffered a stroke at the age of 47, just two days after Christmas. I've been made redundant a couple of times, so a bit of a struggle, and I think it was just like, just get on with life. I felt fine most of the year, I'd just been only recently just become a father at the time. My son was six weeks old. It was all very exciting because, I mean, obviously a first child, and I came to the parenting party quite late in life. I can remember it, it was alarmingly how vividly I can remember it all happening because... It was two days after Christmas, I was at my sister's house, and we were about to, to set off to go on to some other friends to visit as all part of our Christmas roundup. We go and visit friends. I still live in Hertfordshire, so I've got friends over in that area, so we were just going to go and set off and see them. I just had a really bad headache. It's almost like you're being drilled at the side of your temples, both sides, or, or like, an, like a clamp. It's like an old metal working class. You've got like a, a G clamp on both sides of a bit of a table, and it's just like just winding in so it's pressing in at both sides because it was so advertised so heavily at the time and obviously as somebody who's quite into fitness and health I was aware of it I'd seen the adverts so I, I knew roughly what was going on. Glenn was aware of his situation and so he and his wife drove to the nearest hospital as quickly as they could. I know the area of, well we figured it out we thought that the ambulance would take 25 minutes just to get there it's a bit of a not even like out in the sticks but it's a bit of a convoluted journey 
So we thought that we could probably get there at the same time an ambulance would actually take to get to the house. So we decided to, to just drive over there. I just kept blinking and I thought that it actually reminded me of something. I, I read an article ages ago. It was about uh, the boxer Gerald McClellan when he got uh, knocked out and very badly brain damaged against uh, Nigel Benn. I was at that fight live and I can remember reading his articles. He said spoke about feeling like he could feel just like something wet inside his head, like something was like falling, almost like water inside his brain. They put me straight into an emergency ward, so they said like suspected stroke. So we just went into a special ward for that. And they obviously, I can't remember the exact names of what they pumped into my system to try and regulate my blood pressure. I was on a drip, so I've never been on a drip before. So it was all quite new and obviously couldn't quite move around and do as you wanted to do. And in my case, it was hypertension, high blood pressure. They call it the silent killer. You don't know that anything's happening until it happens. I'm on a, a whole lorry load of medicines. So probably over there, I've got like a corner of the, of the kitchen dedicated to all my meds. So I swallow about, I could tell you through the, I swallow about 12 different things every morning. Thankfully, it's just stuff that I just take in the mornings. And that's it for the day. After a week in hospital, Glenn was sent home to recover, physically and mentally. I had uh, exercises. I had uh, a physio or occupational therapist person who came and visited me at home because they obviously beds in hospitals are at premium, and somebody who can actually stand up is not a priority really. So you just get sent home, and they do it like a at home outpatient. So they'd have the number of people would come in and visit me just to see how my hands were doing and if I could still use things. I mean, I could actually type, not particularly well. It was never particularly good, but obviously that had slowed down quite a bit. So. They just like monitored me and just checked and I had a set of exercises to do and working with resistance bands to try and regain movement in my left arm and left leg. But I can't say enough good things about them. I thought that they don't know me from anybody, just a guy who just collapsed on the road, just brought in. And they were just ever so helpful. There's only so much they can do because so much of the, the actual recovery and improvement, they, people can tell you all the things to do. It's a bit like doing a correspondence course in I don't know, martial arts or something like that. You can read all the theory but it doesn't prepare you for the actual realities of trying to do all these things. The things that you used to be able to do without thinking about it. It's very tough, it's just it's the whole walking uphill while dragging a house behind you almost. It's, it's just almost an impossible task. And I think there's misconceptions where people say, oh, have you recovered then? Because no, you haven't, you never actually recover. You just carry basically a small amount of brain damage or large amount for the rest of your life. And how you deal with it is sometimes you have no choice in it. You just have to get on with it. Glenn was a fit and healthy man and a keen marathon runner. The stroke was difficult for him to come to terms with, but his family and friends rallied round. Obviously bitter and upset and angry. I think anybody who doesn't feel that isn't human. You, you, you can't do that because you have so much taken away. Even a conversation like we're having here now, this is nowhere near as clear and as succinct and as eloquent as it used to be. Uh, I've lost the ability to do that, to, like, to thinking on your feet. Doing it. I mean, obviously, another thing I could add to that, in the time that I've had since I've had that stroke, I've not actually been settled in any work. I've just been doing temporary odd job stuff here and there. But to actually settle into work, just not being able to do that. Memory, powers of concentration, just general stuff that you almost take for granted. It's been taken away. It happened, I was just down the road from my mum's, and obviously she came and visited me in hospital, as did my sister, my brother who lived in, lives in West London. He came to visit as well. In fact, my brother's eldest son, who's been about, he's about 26 or 27 now, I think he was a little bit shocked by it because he always knew me as a guy who used to, to take him to the park and play football and used to come and support him in his football matches and just thought that I would be able to do that again. Just frightened him and he just 
he didn't want to come and visit me in hospital. He says, I don't want to go and visit Uncle Glenn lying in a hospital bed. They're all very supportive as well. My in-laws who live just down the road from me now here in the New Forest, very supportive as well. Almost shows you how good your friends and family are to you when something like this happens. Most of it all just fell into place over time, just like, oh, that's it then. Well, I'm just quite sanguine about it. I can't change it. It's happened. It's just to try and adopt some form of quality of life afterwards into the future. Because you can't go back to what you used to do. I mean, I've I mean, I had quite a serious runner, but I look back to what I used to run, I think that 20 years ago, I ran a three-hour 33 marathon. I'll never do that again. Despite the difficulties, Glenn is steadily regaining fitness and often engages with other stroke survivors online to share his experiences. I've actually got myself fit enough to run uh, the Great South Run. That's my first big race event back. And I've just been training and running all the time. And I think that, that helps in the whole, not saying recovery, but just coping. Because you don't really recover. I think that's one of those um, popular misconceptions. You don't recover. You just have to adapt your life to the new you. It sounds like a load of cliched mumbo-jumbo nonsense, but the, the fact is you can't go back to where you were. I was always very fit into fitness, into strength and conditioning. But I think now it's even more because in a way it alarmed quite a few of my non-runners or non-sporty friends think that, oh, blimey, Glenn, who hardly ever drunk, doesn't smoke at all, did all this exercise, and look what happened to him. And an old school friend of mine who, ironically, lives about 10 miles away from me here, we moved in diff- down here at different times for different reasons, and he's just he's just he's just scared him into into like getting fit, because he just didn't bother before. He just didn't care. Thought I'll be all right. You know, we're not even old blokes, and here we are, like in hospitals and falling ill. Since my stroke, I've been able to get fit enough. I actually, run two full marathons, maybe about six or seven half marathons. This is like at race pace, and um, just regular running. I'm running about thirty miles on a good week. I went to the Stroke Association and I've joined uh, countless uh, groups in the UK, in Australia, in America, all over Europe. And it's just almost like pooling, not pooling resources, but just like comparing notes. And I think that I was that I had a pretty serious one, the fact that I couldn't walk for a few days, a few weeks, in fact. But then I've got spoken to people there who've been hit worse than I've had and they've had families who've just like abandoned them. You know, one woman, her husband walked out and her thought, I can't do, deal with this just walked and left, left her. I think mine was bad, but there are people out there who had it much worse than me. And equally, we, we almost like we inspire each other because I know one guy, I speak to him, he's in California and he used to be an, an ultra runner, ultra distance running and high mountains. He's done like 500 kilometer races over like weeks at a time up in the mountains around California. And he's had a stroke just like me. So he's just moved to a stage where he can just about walk and he's fighting to get back. And we just, we've never met we just chat online and because he's quite interested. He's quite an Anglophile. I think he's originally from the Philippines, but he's lived in California pretty much all of his life. It's not a nice way to meet people, but I've made loads and loads of friends out of it. You could, that's the, the positive is that I've met people or spoken to people that I would never have met under ordinary circumstances. I mean, I used to work many, for many years with, with an, in a global organisation. So I had loads of friends from around the world. You know, we'd like meet up every couple of years in somewhere almost central. But this is almost like that. You just keep in contact with people. And very few of them I've ever met. There are going to be physical things that will slow you down. But I think most of the battle is, well, it's mental. I mean, it's an injury to your brain. And you can rewrite neural pathways to get things done. Not in the same way that it used to be. Maybe not as efficiently as it used to be. But they can be done. I mean, there's like two ways to go from, from, say, one city to another city. 
you can either like walk it, fly it, use a train, drive a car, but you're still getting to the same place. Different ways of living your life, getting your information across and getting your information from whoever and speaking to, I mean, I speak to countless people. I've got about a thousand people that I speak to in various groups. I've actually started up a Facebook group. It's called um, Running After a Stroke. Glenn is a determined man, and although the stroke came at a difficult time for him and his family, he's broken down every barrier he's come across, and so is focusing his energy on being as fit as he was before the stroke. Still to come on this episode of Stroke Stories, Glenn hopes that strokes and their after-effects can be better understood. I think it would maybe treated a bit more seriously if people actually understood what it was. It's just a brain attack. The effects that it causes is a whole lifelong adjustment. I mean, but the, the company that I was working at before were just like, just very ill-advised on what they could do. They seemed to think it would be just like a cold and you'd be back after a couple of days off or a couple of weeks. And he explains how beneficial online communities of stroke survivors can be to recovery. I think they're almost essential. I mean, I've become a moderator on a couple of them as well because my experiences and uh, speaking to, spoken to so many different types of people from so many different walks of life. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's hear how the stroke had affected Glenn's ability to work. The job I was doing at the time, I didn't particularly want to go back to, but I came back on what they call a phased return. And it was originally for like two afternoons a week. And then after about two weeks of that, they said that, we, we need to, can we increase your hours to more? I tried that for about a month and I thought, no, I'm not doing this because it's just going to just make me ill. And obviously I was in no position to be going back working full-time. I mean, now six years later, I think maybe just that mentally could actually cope with working full-time. I'm, I'm trying to get back into full-time work again. You, you've had one big-time scale like this. It can't but change your perceptions about how much work you do, how long you do it, and... I'm not old, I'm approaching 54 in a couple of weeks' time. You've got to look after yourself. you only got one life. I don't think about it. I think I'm on so much meds now, and I'm doing so much running that hypertension or high blood pressure is just not on my radar anymore. I actually think I'm probably less likely to have one than almost anybody else on the streets, certainly of my age. Glenn feels that although there's a greater awareness of stroke, thanks in part to the public health campaigns, the serious consequences of the illness still aren't widely understood. Yes, yeah, speaking to somebody in Spain, and he's uh, 
is actually the cousin of the King Juan Carlos's son, and he was a he had a stroke. I think unfortunately it took his life, and he was only in his thirties. Just came out of nowhere. He was just living his life, and then suddenly, bang! That was it. So basically, it's not really a stroke. It's really should be a brain a brain attack, really. I think it may be treated a bit more seriously if people actually understood what it was. So it's a brain attack rather than a stroke. I think that the, the um, understanding is getting better. Obviously, I'm right at the cutting edge of it I'm, as a as a, almost like a recipient of it. So I, I I'm always a, a, a aware of what's going on. I remember, I mean, my stroke happened around about with about ten days of Andrew Marr. And he, he was um, doing a intensive training on a treadmill or a cycle machine in a gym when he collapsed. And he's roughly the same age as me. He had absolutely been in good health, nothing, no warnings, then bang, just like that. The, the effects that it causes is it's a whole lifelong adjustment. I mean, but the, the company that I was working at before were just like, just very ill-advised on what they could do. They seemed to think it would be just like a cold and you'd be back after a couple of days off or a couple of weeks. Actually, the reactions varies with who you speak to. My immediate family have been really good and supportive and understanding. I mean, quite a few of them are scientists and medical background people, so I mean, they're almost like stroke savvy, you could say. And quite a few people at my running club as well, because quite a few of them are elderly, a fair bit older than me. The group that I was running with this morning were pretty much semi-retired. Now, don't let that fool you, though, because they're all supremely fit men and women. And uh, they just said that. This, they, just, they were always going, how are you feeling? Good to have you back again because I don't normally run midweek with this group. And they were just like, pleased to see me back and running there. It's very, very positive, very sort of like uplifting. Or one of the guys says, he goes, I was his incentive, his thinking that I'm a couple of years older than him and I've had a stroke. He goes, I can't lose, I can't be beaten by you. He goes, you have and you will. And, you, and I'll continue to beat you because I have a level of determination that somebody who hasn't been through this horrible experience would be able to conjure up. I think it might have been some of that may have been in my makeup previously, so I probably never needed to to rely on it. So it's like when something bad happens, you just you find out how deep you can go or how f deep you can dig in, into your system to get yourself back up again and get moving again. Like many we've spoken to, Glenn turned to the Stroke Association, who were able to help him with information and advice. They just gave me just lots of information. I had loads and loads of information leaflets and how to explain it to, to children. But at the time, my son was so young, it was just like, he does, obviously he's not going to see any differences. But people who know me really well or people who've known me for years will just say, you look slightly differently. It's like a, your face isn't as it used to be. Which is probably why I've grown a beard because then it sort of like hides any sort of like, it just helps with the confidence of just knowing that it's not the shape it used to be. You can't be anything but positive. It's not nice. And you just got to be like, it's a bit of a, life is a whole long battle. And this is just one minor war that I've lost. I can find another way of regrouping and rebuild. So it's not nice. It's not pretty. Uh, you know, I don't like it. I can't change it. So I just need to make the best of it. For the future, just stay healthy. And just work on fitness and um, get my marathon times down again. My ambition is still to run a sub four again. Because I think that's like the mark of you're fit, you're running well. And Glenn's advice for those who are in a similar situation is be determined. Well, keep keeping on, that's all I can say. I mean, I was thinking back to when I was in the hospital six years ago. I mean, sometimes I'm out doing like running solo on my own, then you do all this thinking. I was thinking, oh, this is struggling today. But I thought that six years ago, I've been struggling to drive this distance. And now I'm out running off road, no falling, 
occasional sort of like stumbling, but mostly staying on my feet. It does make me feel good, but then I was thinking that I could do better. It's a whole thing with uh, fighting back from a, 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 well, basically a long-term illness. Maybe not even fighting back, but just getting into a semblance of effective living. And finally, Glenn believes that getting involved in online community groups for stroke survivors brings a lot of benefits for those who are finding it difficult to adjust to life after a stroke. I think they're almost essential. I mean, I've become a moderator on a couple of them as well because my experiences and uh, speaking to speaking to so many different types of people from so many different walks of life. And oddly enough, we've had people who just come and say they've got the miracle cure. It's always like somebody just almost like trying to sell you some miracle cure. It's probably one out of every thousand people just be a bit of a numpty, basically. Just like to sell you to a link to a doctor, so-and-so-and-so-and-so, who says that this root of some obscure plant is going to, like, cure you from your stroke. I don't need to be cured from my stroke. I survived a stroke. Glenn's focus and determination is powerful and proof that with a positive mindset, anything is possible. He's already run two marathons since having his stroke, and continues to look ahead to the future for his next incredible sporting achievement. If you're listening to this podcast and have had a stroke or somebody close to you has, and you'd like to learn more, search for The Stroke Association online. And for a dedicated NHS webpage, search NHS Strokes. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes, please subscribe, rate and comment so we know what you think about stroke stories. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.